0: You're listening to Authentically Me, a podcast dedicated to activating the magic that is within us all, through the power of authenticity, sharing, and transmuting with love. Here you will find real-life experiences shared through the lens of everything is always serving. We are led through this journey by your host, Serena Rose. Serena is a ceremonialist who believes our life is just one big ceremony for our souls. Connect to your soul and enjoy the ceremony. Hello, authentically me beauties. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening to my show. I'm so excited to honor you and bring the most authentic people on to the show that I know and share them with you. And I have Queen Madame Rosie Volcano, High Priestess of Love and Transformational Coach. (laughs) Hello, Rosie. Thank you for being here. Hi, Serena. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Yes, I've been looking forward to announcing you because it's such a revolutionary title. So, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh well, when you
1: asked what how should I address you on the podcast? What title should I use? I just started thinking, well, how do I want to see myself? Mm-hmm. And how do I see myself already? And if the universe was my oyster, which it is, how what title would I pick? <laughs> and um in 2013, Kit taught me how to be a DJ, and my DJ name was Queen Madam Pussyfoot. Ooh. Because we did we had our first business together was called Lesbian Tag Team Tarot. We would go do um interactive, full contact tarot card readings on people that included acro yoga and dildo shiatsu massages and um, our, our names, our stage names for that act. It was more of a performance act than really like an actual tarot card reading thing mm-hmm. um, with Madam Pussyfoot and Kit was the Butch of Wands because back in those days he was a butch lesbian. Um, And so when you said, what's my title, I thought, "Mm, I'm going to go with Queen Madam.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) I'm just digesting all of that. I'm like, how many businesses and things have you done? (laughs) A lot. I love that. I love that so much because I... Um, have a lot of projects and things and as an artist and entrepreneur I know a lot of people can relate to putting their hands in a lot of different pots and I think that this day and age it's recommended that you don't put all of your eggs into one basket but that you know you explore and have Revenue coming in from many streams. And so what is your insight and experience surrounding that idea?
1: Yeah, I think with the internet being what it is today and Having so much access to free information at all times It's become really easy for anyone to switch careers at any time and I think that it's, you know, it's, it's just a new level of freedom that we all have that I think previously, especially for creative people, we didn't have that freedom before. And so I think there are still going to be people who prefer to have one job for most of their lives, and that's okay.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: for creative people, for travelers, for people who are just always expanding and evolving themselves, now we actually have a way to survive and thrive and do really well because of the internet. Um, And I'm really, really thankful for that, because if it weren't for that, then I don't know what I would be doing right now, so I try to teach as many people as possible how to funnel your creativity through online entrepreneurship in order to create a lifestyle for yourself where your creativity creates abundance for you. Mm -hmm. Instead of this like starving artist, if I don't have a traditional job then I'm never gonna be able to travel, have a kid, buy a house or anything else. So I think it's just, it's possible. It's possible for all of us now when it it wasn't even 10 or 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think so too. Um, So what would your advice be for someone who hears that and is like, oh, I'm a starving artist or, oh, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, what advice would you give someone who can relate to what we're talking about? So much.
1: There's so much. But really, um, I think that the thing that first changed my life from being a starving artist to actually creating income through my creativity like the pivotal thing was really just the mindset shift and committing myself 100 percent to my mindset and the quality of my thoughts and in doing that it meant letting go of human beings that i was surrounding myself with whose thoughts were not creating that in my life whose thoughts were confirming the old way of believing whose thoughts were I'll always be poor. I'll always be a starving artist. This sucks. Everything sucks. I hate my life. I had to stop spending time with those people, and I had to start consciously surrounding myself with people who thought more positively, whether they were rich or not. Um, that's what made the shift for me. So it was it was a really really um, like hyper vigilant commitment to my own to the quality of my own thoughts, and only choosing people around me who reflected those thoughts or enhance them. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's really difficult for most people to hear because Mm -hmm. they love their friends and they wanna lift their friends up with them. But oftentimes your friends aren't ready to make that shift yet in their mindset and their thoughts. They have to do it in their own time. So you can still love those friends. You can still guide them in some ways. And in fact, on my journey, um, it's been only about four years since I've really made the mindset shift, and in those four years, there were many friends who I had to temporarily step away from, but who saw what I was doing and thought, oh, she's figured something out. Let me let me ask her about it, and now they're on the same page, and so it's kind of like I just had to take a little break, and now they're, they're kind of working on their mindset too. So that's my biggest piece of advice is just start with the mindset and just... Be really diligent about catching the negative thoughts. Be really diligent about catching the old belief patterns, and stopping them in their tracks and choosing something different.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, it's interesting because over the past, I don't know, maybe two weeks, I have been consciously coming to terms with this deeper level acceptance surrounding my family and my friends and projected judgments and um choosing myself and choosing my life and my thoughts and my belief systems and not allowing that to happen anymore and when I hear you speak about all of that it's just affirmation for me with where I am and then I it also brings up the question well what if it's your family and what advice would you give to navigate that
1: uh (laughs) same it's the same thing um so I I have a complicated relationship with my family because they're Catholic and I'm queer so there was there was already moments in time where we had to take our distance from one another and so taking more distance really actually wasn't that strange for me to do but I did I, I took some more distance from my mom in particular for about a year or two where I just didn't talk to her as much because, because she's had a lifetime pattern of being stuck on a negative thought cycle, which I know is it's you know something that's so subconscious for her that she doesn't even realize it. And so in that way, I could still love her and just send her send her lots and lots of love and support. And be like, I love you so much, and also just like, I just need to take a little break. <laughs> um, And over the years, I've slowly introduced her to this stuff, to Abraham Hicks, to Joe Dispenza, to meditation, to choosing your thoughts, to surrounding yourself with positive energy. And now she's obsessed with crystals. She meditates. She's healing her fibromyalgia naturally. um, And she has seen the changes, the impact that all of this has had in my life. And she has allowed a little bit of that influence to come into her life as well. And so now we can have a totally different relationship because of it. And I, I really just had to have patience with her. And I also had to be OK with her being a little bit sad about the distance for a little while. I just had to be OK with that because it was my, uh, my commitment to this journey was more important than maintaining an unhealthy relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, is because I've stayed committed to it for so long, and I've created so much beauty in my life because of it, that includes full unconditional love and acceptance of everyone in my life, including my family members who don't support gay people or trans people or anything like that. I still have unconditional love for them. And because of that, now we can have a loving, beautiful relationship again. And now they can see like, oh, I can see how this positivity thing actually works. Because look, I've been suffering from fibromyalgia for- 40 plus years. And now I can walk again.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. So it's just, it just takes patience, 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 Mm -hmm. and lots and lots of love, Mm -hmm. but also like staying committed to yourself
0: first and foremost. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, And I know we just kind of jumped into this conversation and I just went with it, but for those who, you know, maybe listening, don't really know who you are. It's like, well, why should I listen to her? Like, what has she accomplished? You know, and I see you and know you personally and see how what you do works and see the stories from other people. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit with my listeners, you know, just a little like, you know, humble brag about just what you've accomplished because it's so beautiful to me.
1: Sure. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so I'll just give like kind of the short story from from all the way back then to now. Uh, I became a massage therapist when I was about 21, 22 um, and was always a healer. So I always knew I was meant to heal people and that I had a deep connection to uh, helping people see the gifts inside of themselves. But I never considered being a life coach for a very long time. I would just life coach people on their massage tables mm-hmm. as I was giving massages and mm-hmm. they would make me the- huge life changes you know like quitting their jobs or getting married or traveling the world they'd be like thank you Rosie I'm like yeah no problem (laughs) um so I did that for like 10 years and in the meantime I met Kit who um who I'd known I didn't actually meet him we had known each other for a long time but we actually started dating fell in love and got married in 2013 and we became yoga teachers together we moved from Chicago to North Carolina to open a yoga studio because This style of yoga had really helped us heal from a lot of trauma and it really changed our lives. And so I thought, okay, well, this is my new healing mission is to spread the style of yoga to as many people as possible because it transformed the way I saw myself. Uh, I suffered from eating disorders for many, many years and um, lots of trauma stuff, childhood trauma, adult trauma, all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that style of yoga just opened up the doors to like this self-love, self-healing journey. And so I was like, yes, this is what I need to be doing. So we opened this yoga studio. We started transforming lives, but we were in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a very small, beautiful Appalachian hippie town where minimum wage is $7.90 an hour or something like that. I mean, it's, it's just poverty, lots and lots of poverty there. So lots of poverty consciousness. And um, opening a yoga studio in a hippie town of 80,000 people where there are 20 other yoga studios, not the best business move.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
1: We ended up losing the yoga studio and we had put everything we had into it. We put our savings into it. We didn't make any money. We just kept losing money. And so we were in a lot of debt when, when we had to close and we ended up selling everything we owned. And it was right around that time. We gave a lot of it away to be honest, but um, it was right around that time that we discovered law of attraction specifically through Abraham Hicks and started just listening to their teachings the way we found them was a very strange story but i'll talk about that another time um we started applying their teachings number one that that first piece of advice they gave you the mindset thing it's like the 17 second rule don't let a negative thought cycle get stuck inside of your head for more than 17 seconds catch it reroute it and think something different that was the first thing we started applying and we just started doing it and doing it and doing it and all of a sudden the toxic people in our lives fell away the positive people started showing up more and within two weeks we got an offer to host a training this is like before the studio was actually closed a ho- an offer to host a training at our studio that we made nine thousand dollars from and then a week later we got an offer to move to scotland and teach yoga in scotland which was like a huge dream of mine to go to scotland and it was like oh this stuff works, this stuff works. <laughs> okay so we already knew we were losing the yoga studio we we're gonna have to close anyway so we close it we moved to scotland it was an amazing journey we come back, we moved to California with nothing, nothing except mm-hmm. jobs, mm-hmm. and um, we decided to sign up for a really expensive coaching program because we knew that we needed to learn more about business, we needed to learn more about like what is this coaching stuff and is this something that could help us? So we took this little nest egg we had of savings that was meant for a house. And we put it down on the coaching program. It was like half the cost of the program. We paid the other half as we went along. It was like $20,000 in one year, which is completely insane. We had never spent that much money on anything before. Mm -hmm. And it changed our lives. It was like this thing that we had always been doing. Coaching people on the massage table, and then my partner Kit had been a hairstylist, and he would coach people on the hair chair. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with that life. Uh huh. (laughs) They like come get a haircut and leave with a new business card, like for the for their own business that they were now starting because of their conversation with Kit, right? Like that. And so the two of us together, this is like both of our secret superpower. So we realized, wow, we're already really great coaches we should just start a coaching business for healers and yoga teachers and spiritual entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and help them learn all of these things that we just learned. And so sure enough, we went from being in debt, owning nothing, sleeping on a friend's couch in, um, January of 2017 uh, to January, 2018 we had our first six figure month. So it took us a year of constant study and learning and implementing and trial and error. And then by January, 2018, just within one year, we had figured out how to really successfully launch an online coaching business and what our niche market was and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And since then we have built a million dollar business um, and we have created so much beauty in our lives. So we just bought a house in Southern California in San Diego. Um, so that was a really huge win for us. We just did that last year and we decided to bring a child into this world with another pair of co-parents. Um, these are two guys we have known for years and years and years. And we always talked about being co-parents together and somehow magically we all ended up in California because we all met in Chicago. So we decided to do that too. So we had a baby last year as well. Um, we've published a best-selling book about self-love mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, we do beautiful transformational events all over the world uh, until the time of COVID. I really miss doing those right now. (laughs) Yeah. We've done online summits. We do online challenges with 500 people in them. We recently had an online event with 3,000 people in it. Um, So that's kind of what we're up to lately. And the main thing that we really do is we have a coach training program that we've been running now since November of 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is our main bread and butter. We usually have between 50 and 100 students at any given time that are on a seven month journey to learn how to become a transformational coach through us. And so that's that's really like the main thing that we do.
0: That's awesome, wow. Um, I didn't know that about the book too. It's like I'm learning all of these new things about you in this conversation that's really cool
1: yeah we published it like a month after I gave birth it
0: was you know, two weeks after I gave birth it was insane wow that's yeah. awesome um thank you for sharing all of that with us I think it's really important to touch on you know the pieces that you touched on like and not just jump to oh, I have a book and I, you know, this is all that I've done. Um, It's important to know and to be able to relate to others that no matter where you are, you could be sleeping on a couch at your friend's house and you can navigate that and move through that and change your fucking life, (laughs) you know? So, um, I really appreciate how you answered that question. And I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for that. Um, So one of my greatest challenges in this life, which, you know, I know that you know a little bit about me and my backstory, and I know a little bit about you and your backstory, even though I'm still learning, which by the way, for my listeners, a lot of my listeners are from the DMV area, and I just wanted to like plug that you're from Maryland as well, which is super dope. Um, so people can feel more connected to you and, and relate to you. So even those people in Maryland, you can buy a house in San Diego one day if you want to. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm from, I'm
1: from the West Side of Baltimore, so yeah. even, even West Side of Baltimore people can buy a house in San Diego.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so one of my biggest challenges has been navigating judgment. <clears throat> and it's interesting. Sitting here with you, even on this call, I'm like low-key judging myself because you look so pretty, and I'm like, oh, I didn't like do my makeup, and like you're just so beautiful, and you and Kit dress up, and um, you know, I'm on this this journey with myself right now, and there's a huge layer of myself that's being shed, and I'm really grateful for it because I need to just move forward and move on to the next thing, um, without bypassing anything, of course but the navigating judgment has been my biggest challenge and a lot of that was attached to my family and in the past i would dress up and you know put on makeup and not leave the house without it actually and i would do that from not the most pure place it was my way of yeah. just facing the judgment and being like you want to judge me here you go like I'm awesome, like come talk to me and see me and whatever and have your thoughts and you'll still love me. And so I faced it like head on, not from the most pure place. And now I'm evolutionizing and changing and growing and you know, I still enjoy very much dressing up and putting on makeup and wearing ridiculous things. And I also very much enjoy not wearing makeup and having my hair thrown up and whatever part of me wants to be expressed. And that comes from my own journey of accepting and loving myself in a pure way. And I know that you have had a similar journey facing judgments. Mm-hmm. And so what advice would you give listeners who I know connect with me and my story and my challenges? And since we have a similar journey, um, what advice would you give someone who can relate to that, those judgments and however that manifests itself for each person? Because we, we judge each other as humans. It's just so common. So,
1: mm. Yeah, there's so many layers to that. There's so many layers. I think that the one, one thing that you and I can both relate to is kind of growing up and being like the pretty one. Right. And kind of having certain expectations put on you because of that. Uh, Or being like sexualized by people just by walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Right. That's something that for me, I know for you, you've had the same thing. I, you know, I read your posts and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, for a long time, that was a big problem. And when I became, when I realized, neither one of those words are correct, became or realized, but it was more like, um, When I fully dove into the world of being a hardcore lesbian, I was like, I just identified I started identifying as a diesel dyke because I wanted to be such a hardcore feminist that people would stop catcalling me when I walked down the street. That was like my goal for most of my 20s. And so I started wearing baseball caps and jeans with like the keys clipped on to the belt loop. And uh, just really like... Um, kind of butching it up, letting all my armpit hair grow out, all my leg hair, and just hanging out with all of my feminist, amazing, radical dyke friends.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: but really what I was doing at that time was I was abandoning who I really was on the inside, which is like a sparkly, fairy, goddess, whatever I am now. That's who I always was growing up. When I was little, I loved wearing dresses. I loved wearing tutus. I loved wearing glitter. I loved dress- like wearing fairy mm-hmm. wings. Just like That was like how I wanted to be all the time. But because I got so much attention, negative attention from men, from boys, whatever, I didn't like that. I never liked that. Um, and so I just, I hid it for a really long time. And also, I would get negative judgments from female friends as well if I dressed up or made myself look pretty. And I didn't like that either. I wanted to be accepted by everyone. And so that was kind of my um, environment that I was in at the time where I wasn't necessarily expected to look pretty. I was expected to look like a dyke, <laughs> so I did. Um, and the way that I have worked with that since then is, has actually been through medicine ceremonies. So interacting with um, plant medicine in my experience has shown me who I really am at my deepest core of my spirit. And the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away from all those experiences has been that in order to lead a really truly spiritual life, in order for your inner spirituality to be, to be integrated into your Mm -hmm. external world, you need to present yourself the way in which you see yourself internally. Mm -hmm. So when I dress up, when I wear glitter, when I wear feathers, when I wear tattoo, eyeliner, pens or whatever it is, that's me fully, ex- fully expressing my spirit on the outside. And when I hold myself back from doing that for fear of what other people are going to think of me, no matter what the judgment is, whether it's like she's weird or I'm intimidated by this person or whatever the judgment is, when I hold myself back, I feel like I'm dimming my light. And I shut down the connection to my spirit. I shut down the connection to my creativity and to just like that inner that inner light that wants to come out. And so, and it can come out in all different ways. I don't always dress up like this or put makeup on either. Like you said, sometimes I still like looking like a diesel dyke. Sometimes I put on coveralls and go get crazy. Like I love that too, right? (laughs) And so, you know, the other layer of it is catching yourself in judgment as well so it's not just fear of judgment from others but it's catching yourself in judgment as well so every time you catch yourself either comparing yourself to someone else like you were just saying that you did or judging someone for their choices for how they're presenting themselves Mm -hmm. for how they appear in the world just start getting really again like really really conscious of those thoughts this is just the whole journey. It's just elevating consciousness and becoming conscious of every single thought that comes through. Every time you catch yourself in judgment or fear of judgment, ask yourself what part of me needs to be loved right now. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really the, the biggest thing that you can do. And usually it's, it's your five-year-old self, your 14-year-old self, whatever, whatever age you were when you really started feeling judged by others, ask that person inside of you what they need in that moment.
0: That's really powerful. That's really, really powerful. I'm just digesting that because I think so many people project and what I hear is a deep way to take responsibility for yourself and your emotions and it's deeper than just how you present yourself and how you accept yourself and love yourself and so that's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. I'm brought to, I can't get it out of my head, so I'm just going to share it, but I'm brought to this scenario when I was in the grocery store and I wore a little bit of a low-cut shirt and a grocery store employee walked by me and gave me the up and down. and was like, holy fuck. It was like super judgmental. And they walked by and I was just like, I was shocked. And so I didn't know what to say in that moment. And my initial response was like, you know, being from baltimore was to like say some shit back to her you know <laughs> um yeah right and i knew that wasn't right i knew that wasn't the guru way to go so um i took some deep breaths and you know just prayed for her and sent her love and then i was just like well that was totally her shit. i'm good you know um but really another way to navigate something like that would be to ask myself what part of me needs to be loved, because I allowed that scenario to emotionally impact me. Not like I cried myself to sleep that night or anything, but if I'm being honest, like it did, you know, impact me emotionally. So um, what a beautiful way to reclaim power. And yeah, I just really am receiving that. So thank you for, for sharing that.
1: Yeah. one more thing I want to add to that as well I think is not just asking yourself what part of you needs love but also seeing the same thing inside of the other person as well because of course their reaction is coming from a part of them that needs love too mm-hmm. right a part of them that's measuring themselves up against you
0: yeah definitely Whew. um so another similarity and i think underneath it all we all have a similarity is being ultra spiritual spiritual as fuck we're all spiritual beings out here and so when did you know as a child that you were different
1: um There's like so many things, but uh, I knew pretty early on that I was different. I think that there's a book called Born Aware. It's about people who come into the world with memories of their past lives or with um, a deeper level of comprehension than most babies have. Mm -hmm. I've been studying a lot about this lately because I have memories that are very clear that have thoughts attached to them from when I was two months old, um, that had actual thoughts attached to them that I've re- just remembered my whole life. And so I've been very like awake and conscious of that since I was born essentially. And it's been a really weird thing to navigate because of course I'll talk about it sometimes and people will be like, no, there's no way. But you know, some of the memories I've actually verified with my parents, um, one being that my mom passed me to another woman to breastfeed. And that's really my first memory, right? And I remember thinking all these things like, oh, my mom doesn't love me. She doesn't want me. Who's this woman? Yada, yada, right? And I asked my mom finally, when I was like 26, I, I was like, I know this is really weird, but did this happen? Did you ever give me to someone else to breastfeed? And she was like, the only time I did that was on your dad and my 10th anniversary, which was when you were two months old. Um, and so I've since then verified a bunch of other stuff and done some research into this. And I do believe that's why is, is for some, for whatever reason, the veil between the previous life and this one was left a little bit thinner. And so Mm -hmm. I have that connection to the other realm. And I knew that growing up because I always saw spirits and when I went to church, I not just when I was in church but but especially when I was in church my family went to church a lot it was like I was having a conversation with God like the ceiling of the church would open up and a light would shine down and my whole body would feel like it was full of electricity and I would just have a conversation with God and I knew it was God at the time and sometimes it would be like the virgin mother the mother goddess whatever however you want to see it now mm-hmm. back then I just thought it was like the virgin Mary right, right yeah. and then um Yeah, so she was my homegirl, and I actually started a club, the Virgin Mary Club, when I was five in my neighborhood, and had all my friends join it with me, because I was so obsessed with Mary, and I was just talking to her all the time, Um, and so it was kind of like a whole lifelong thing, and at a certain point, um, I shut it all down right? Like we, I think most spiritual people do because they realize that they're weird or they're different or that some people don't believe that it's true or whatever. Mm -hmm. And probably around 15 or 16 is when I shut it down, uh, all the way up until I was about, um, 27.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I love, um, I wrote that down. Actually, born aware. I think that's really interesting uh, because I too have memories and thoughts and things, and my family has questioned me, and um, but I remember stuff and have received affirmation from like family members throughout the years, and so that's really cool. I can't wait to read that book. <laughs> it's really beautiful. I have a bunch of
1: other ones too. I have a whole list for you if you want them.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, I'm reading, like, four books right now, but, um, like, I love being a nerd about life. So, (laughs) like, you can never read too many books, honestly. Um, So, I know that we have a little bit of limited time, so I'm going to choose my questions wisely here. I will say, what was the biggest challenge you have had overcome to achieve success?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it's like the Baltimore in me. (laughs) Um, and what I mean by that is the, the inherited beliefs. So coming from a background of extreme poverty consciousness, I wouldn't say extreme poverty because there's definitely people who are poorer than me, but I grew up pretty poor. Um, and all the belief systems that came with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I'm not a saver, I'll never save money. Uh, international travel's too expensive, I'll never travel internationally, even though that's the thing that I've always wanted to do. I was like looking at National Geographic magazines when I was five years old, just thinking, first thing I wanna do when I'm a grown-up is go to another country and just like see other countries. That's what I wanted to do. I always told myself that it wasn't possible because I would never have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. When actually, it doesn't actually really even cost that much money to go to the other countries. Like, you could do it pretty cheaply. But anyway, that was just a belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, everything that I inherited from my culture, from my family, from growing up in that part of the world. Um, and, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing to overcome. It was just who I thought I was for a really long time until I was about 25. Then I started kind of questioning some of it. I can't believe it took me that long, honestly, but mm-hmm. it did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, we all have our own journeys. I mean, I know people that are older than 25 that are just now starting oh, to question God. things, you know. Um, Absolutely. So my next question would be, how do you sales? Sales. New sales. <laughs> yeah. You and Kit have blown my mind. Like when I did your online challenge, which there will be a link to in the show notes when this episode is released, um, the way that they went about selling us, I was like, oh, well, that's one way to do it. You know, I've just expanded my mind and I still am sitting with it i was actually thinking about it this morning as i drank my tea and i was thinking about what questions to ask you because i notice myself when i say something that seems egotistical to you know i don't know like if i'm if i'm gonna project another person to judge me i try to speak to it before it happens and so Mm. I was thinking about what correlation could be there based on like me doing that. Cause I have no problem doing that, but there is a part of me that has a block still surrounding sales and selling people, although I'm working through it right now. Um, But, you know, before saying something, I'll say, not sound egotistical or, you know, whatever it is, and then I'll say the thing. (laughs) And so you guys will say, I'm selling to you. So get uncomfortable if you want to (laughs) be, but you don't have to be, you know, and that really blew my mind. And this morning, I was just thinking about, you know, those correlations and what could exist there for me so I was wondering if you could speak about sales
1: oh my goodness yeah there's so much to it isn't there um I was lucky coming into our relationship with me and Kit because I have always been a natural salesperson I've had a few different types of sales-based jobs and I'm one of those people who could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, right? That's like, that's what they say about me, old row row, right? And so, um, but it's gotta be something that I really stand behind. It's gotta be something that I believe in. And so uh, when I was younger, I worked at an arts and crafts store. So I would sell people art supplies because obviously I love creating things. And then when I was older, it was custom framing. I worked at an art gallery and custom framing is, is pretty expensive. Um, but I could sell anything to anybody. And um, then as I got older, Kit and I went into business together. I'd never been an entrepreneur before, um, but this, the skills came along and it's really just like a natural, intuitive thing. So combining that with constantly studying what other people are doing and modeling after that, there's just so much to it. There are so many different books to read, there's so many different. Um, Types of copywriting that you can learn, and in the challenge that we do, uh, there are there's probably about twenty different sales techniques happening within the one challenge. So um, to break it all down on this podcast would take a long time, but uh, we do teach about this in our programs, but what I, what I can do is kind of break down a very like general overview of how we create that in the challenge, which is it starts with first of all, knowing what it is that you're offering and being really confident that what you're offering is going to get people results. How do you do that? You offer it at a price that you feel comfortable with and that other people feel comfortable paying long enough to get social proof, to get testimonials. You do that for as long as you need to, to feel comfortable to slowly raise your prices. We didn't start out with a $8,000 program. We started out with a thousand dollar program. Mm-hmm. And we said that enough times to get, com- to know that, wow, we're getting people great results. And then slowly it became $2,500 and then slowly it became $5,000 and then six and seven and eight. And then by January, it's going to be 10. And this is over the course of about three years. Um, so that's really the, the biggest thing that you need is a sense of confidence that what you're offering, first of all, is something that you feel very, very passionate about doing. And second of all, it's something that gets people results and you know what those results are and you've done it enough, time, enough times to have proof of those results. From there, there's so much, Serena. I mean, there's, there's ads, there's copywriting, there's um, writing a script in a way that your story brings people to the same epiphany that you had. Mm-hmm. So it's called um, uh, an epiphany bridge story. So the challenge is if is a basically a week long, and we have five master classes in which we tell our stories, our stories of being broke and living on a couch to creating a million dollar business. And within those stories, people are on the journey with us. And so the epiphanies that we have within the stories of realizing, oh, we need to invest in ourselves. Oh, this coach is going to help us create this business. Boop, boop 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 boop. You just line them up and you're the people who are paying attention the people who resonate with what you're saying, they will go on that journey with you. And if they are meant to be someone who's going to be working with you, someone who's going to resonate with your message, with your community, with your work, then they will stick with it till the end. The people who think it's a scam, the people who think you're, that have judgments against you, they'll just drop off. And you don't, <laughs> you don't have to worry about them. You just buy. Okay. Thanks, it's cool. But this doesn't resonate with you. It's okay. Like, um, Like, for instance, uh, you've done several of our challenges now, right? I've done
0: two of them, yeah.
1: Yeah. Two. And, um, you know, you and I have talked about you doing our program a couple times. And, you know, there was a lot that did feel like it resonated. And then in the end, you decided to go with Jamie, right? in her program.
0: I actually have left her program.
1: Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) either way. Either way, there was something back then, right, when you initially made that decision Mm -hmm. that resonated with you more than it would have with our program for whatever reason. And not to say that you won't ever do one of our programs because who knows? You never know, right? Um, But in those circumstances, it's very interesting, right, because Jamie and her business, is modeled after ours. And her messages are very similar, but there's something about the way she presents herself and the way she tells her stories that, that resonates with some people and not others. And so knowing that going into sales is the, is the biggest gift that you can give yourself is just knowing that when every no is a gift Mm -hmm. and you never want to sell somebody something that doesn't fully resonate
0: for both of you. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, because you're going to be dragging them through the process and neither one
0: of you are going to get the outcome that you want. Yeah, definitely. I even remember you saying that in the program and it was like this pressure that just released, you know, from Mm -hmm. the field because it's so true. You don't want someone to give you your money that doesn't want to give it to you. Exactly. Yeah. They want to, they need to, or they get to want to give it to you essentially Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Like you want people to show up for themselves (laughs) for sure.
1: Yep. And sometimes it's, it's literally just a timing thing too. And, um, like for instance, again, you know, with you and I, like we've connected several times over the last year or maybe two years, and maybe there was something just about the timing that wasn't quite right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, for me, I know that like you and I are still going to have a connection, whether you choose to do a program with us or not, because you're an amazing person. I love following you and I love seeing your journey Mm -hmm. and to just remember that, that as a coach, as a consultant, as whatever kind of online entrepreneur thing that you're doing out there that includes clients, if someone does not choose to do your program or become a client of yours at that time, Don't think that that means that they're never going to be interested in it again. Maintain relationships with people because that's really what it's about. Sales is about relationships Mm -hmm. and know that there are so many people who have, who have done, we've done 10 challenges. Now there are people who have done every single challenge and never signed up for a program. And that's fine. We love, we love that. We love having people in the community. There are some people who have signed up for the smaller packages several times, and then eventually sign up for the bigger one. And it's because we don't attach ourselves or our worth on whether they sign up for something right now or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We say, yeah. whatever's right for you is great. And when it is the right time, it's the right time. Yeah. And just continue to maintain relationships with them, support them, invite them back to future challenges and however it wants to look. Um, but it's basically just like you're saying, take the pressure off. And release any expectations going into mm-hmm. it, yeah. and know that every no is a gift. Celebrate every no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't don't me, don't like make the no mean that you are bad at sales mm-hmm. or that your program is not is is worthless or something like that. It doesn't mean any of those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm in like the church of Rosie right now (laughs) on this podcast. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) why isn't everybody saying this out there? Um, I've literally worked with coaches who have instilled opposite belief systems upon me. Like that, um, that a no means that I'm bad at sales. I've literally worked with people that have taught that to me. And that was me coming into the industry, naive, you know, not really knowing what's happening and, you know, anyway, we're here now and I'm so thankful for you for just being who you are and sharing your message. And, you know, one thing I really try to do specifically on this podcast is be as authentic and honest as possible. And, you know, I resonated more with one-on-one coaching with you than, like, the group coaching programs. And for me, it definitely wasn't the right time. And I still feel... draw to work with you guys in the future and i don't know what that looks like or how it will manifest itself you know so i'm living proof and affirmation of everything that you just said and i'm also extremely grateful for how you show up and maintain connections and the community that you built is amazing i just love knowing that's there you know and if I needed to, I could go live in the community program and say whatever the fuck I needed to say, you know? And that feels so good just to have that safe container to be yourself, your real self, whatever that looks like. And so, you know, for those listening who need more community or desire to be seen or resonate with any of this, I definitely recommend that they do your challenge and just see what comes up because it's pretty awesome I enjoyed it I enjoyed it a lot um I don't know if I'll do a challenge again I'm, I'm feeling kind of challenged out but <laughs> every time so some people get uh it's
1: I mean it's the same lessons the same scripts and everything some people get new experiences each time they do it so they just mm-hmm. keep back other people are like okay I, I understand these things now um so however that works it's totally fine but we're always coming up with new stuff too
0: yeah definitely um it's interesting because I'm seeing a lot more people doing online challenges and virtual events and stuff like that especially now with COVID um so I've even thought about it but I wouldn't know where to begin with that so for someone who is interested in moving more towards the online world, what advice would you give that person?
1: Really, the way that Kit and I built our business with a zero dollar budget um, was through modeling observing and modeling as though we were paying a hundred thousand dollars to be in school to learn how to do this because you can you can learn we taught ourselves all of this stuff yes we signed up for a coaching program but i'm gonna tell you unfortunately they did not teach us anything there was some things going on within that company that uh we observed that we said, wow, we're never gonna put our clients through that. So we decided to make our own programs um, way more supportive and actually have real coaching in them. And so in doing that, in learning that, it was a very weird thing. It was like, yes, we put all this money towards coaching, but we ended up teaching ourselves everything.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And how we did that was we modeled. So my advice would be to start a new email address um, with the name of whatever you want your business to be, even if it's just your name spelled a little differently or with a different title or whatever it is at, at gmail.com. Just make a new email address and subscribe to all the people who interest you who are on this, in this online entrepreneur world, spiritual people, coaches, yoga teachers, whoever looks like they're doing really successful things. And subscribe to everything that they have sign up for all of their free shit and put filters in this email inbox that separate the different newsletters according to um, the different categories you want to put them in so if it's like manifestation have like one folder for everybody who's doing manifestation stuff if it's like you know business for coaches have one folder that all that stuff goes into like russell brunson and click funnels and like these guys that are super like square but have a lot of really good business knowledge, Tony Robbins, you know, like put them all in one folder and then put like Manifestation Babe and the Little Volcano and like, you know, all <laughs> the magical people, put them in a folder, right? And And stop using social media as a consumer and start only using it as a producer. Mm, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, look at social media as as a way for you to build your following, to build your community, your connection. And obviously within that, that includes developing relationships with other people too. So don't just post and ghost, but go on, (laughs) all that kind of thing, but be very intentional about it. Every time you catch yourself scrolling or just reading other people's stuff and not saying anything, put your freaking phone down, right? And, And look at it as a job. This is my job right now is to learn from these influencers who are being really successful and see what they're doing in their funnels. What kind of language are they using? How do they get me to give them their email address? Take notes on that, right? Mm -hmm. Are they doing a free challenge? Are they doing a paid challenge? Can I find out how much they make every year? Uh, What kind of relationship do they have with their spouse? Just literally research the shit out of people. Find the top three people that you want to model after and follow them as closely as you can. Do what they do take their advice if you want their life do what they do if you want to have what they have you got to do the same thing so if they're saying invest in a high level coach you got to do whatever it takes to invest in that high level coach if they're saying make a vision board go make a vision board like um that's that's my biggest advice that's what we did we just modeled 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 after other successful people and in modeling you're not copying right you're modeling so you're taking their structure their format, but you're inputting your own words, your own images, your own personality into everything. Mm-hmm. And you're using what works and you're letting go of what doesn't. The challenge is something that we modeled after a successful coach. And it very quickly became our own thing. But the format of the challenge was modeled after someone else. And he modeled it after someone else. and He modeled it after someone else. And that's really how, that's how it all works. You know, that's how the education system works too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, You know, doctors learn from other doctors who have written books. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, you know what I mean? So this is just how information is exchanged. And so you have to treat building your own business as though you're going to medical school, as though you're like sitting down and studying for a final and you're paying $100,000 to do this. Like take it that seriously.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I know that we have a hard cutoff. I'm wondering if you have time to answer one more question
1: yeah let me just um text my co-parents real quick and let them know it should be fine
0: all right cool um thank you so much um what motivates you <laughs>
1: um wow well, this has been really interesting because you and me are both doing this nearly naked challenge that just kind of like I started it and then it became its own thing. And mm-hmm. I love it. I was just doing it for myself. I was not looking for anybody else to join me. And then all of a sudden there's like, I don't even know. I don't know how many people are still doing it, Serena, but me and you are still going, right? Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> I'm 50, I feel good. It's a 75 day thing. Um, And I'm choosing to do no sugar, no wheat, no coffee, no alcohol, meditating 30 minutes, exercising 45 minutes, drinking a gallon of water, practicing Italian, practicing Gaelic, reading 20 pages of nonfiction every single day for 75 days. If I miss any one of those things, I have to start all over at day one. If I mess up completely and I fail, I have to send $2,500 to Donald Trump. Oh my gosh.
0: I didn't know that part of your challenge
1: because I've really been studying what actually motivates me to do the things I say I'm going to do and COVID has completely thrown me for a loop because I am a very I am motivated by other people expecting me to be somewhere so if I have a membership at a yoga studio all the teachers know my name and they know which classes I go to and that's how I stay committed to my exercise routines With COVID, I got into a complete slump, and I was like, okay, how do I take this person who's motivated by other people putting expectations on me, what do I need to do to motivate myself to actually stick to something that's good for me? And so I started researching all of this stuff right before I started the 75-day thing, which is why I took that leap. And I discovered that um, sending money to Donald Trump is, something that really motivates me not doing that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's something I really strongly believe in not doing and if I didn't have that financial motivator I honestly don't know if I would have made it this long and so I had to put a lot of these things in place so the trump thing the $2,500 that's I had to pick an amount that actually scared me um I had to oh and if I win I get to take an extra $2,500 bonus from our business which is great I'm um, going to get a new tattoo. Woo! <laughs> so, that um, so that is really, so it's like the the reward is motivating, the punishment is motivating, and then the public accountability is another element to it. I, I initially was posting every day, then I was like, I'm just going to post like once a week or whatever. Um, it was just too much. But even just knowing that you and other people who have jumped on this with me, we're all looking at each other. We're all kind of tracking each other, reading each other's posts, supporting, commenting, and like maybe there's only three of us still doing it. <laughs> that to me is really motivating too, just to know that I declared to the public that I'm doing this for 75 days mm-hmm. and I'm a freaking transformational coach with a million dollar business and 100 clients right now. And so they're all looking up to me as someone that should inspire them. That's pressure. And so I created that external accountability for myself through all of those things, and it's working really well. And the way that I did it, I recommend this to all of your listeners, is uh, I read Gretchen Rubin's book, it's called Better Than Before, and she breaks down all of the different things that motivate people, all the different types of people and how they're motivated. Um, So for instance, some people think you're only gonna be successful in life, If you wake up at 5 a.m. every day, which is bullshit, Mm -hmm. there are night night people and there are morning people. And if you're a night person, you can't expect yourself to be a morning person. You're just going to set yourself up for disappointment and failure. For sure, yeah. So it's about, it's about really learning what makes you tick and not judging what makes other people tick and not let other people's judgments come into your life and try to tell you what to do when you know what makes you tick. People will come in and they say, Oh no, 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 you got to do it this way. This is what's going to motivate you. It, you just can't listen to that. You got to
0: really figure it out on your own mm-hmm. um, and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I look up to you and I'm inspired by you and I trust that so many other people listening have received. I know that I personally have received, it brings tears to my eyes. So thank you so much for being here. I adore you so much, Rosie, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Serena, I adore you too. This is really fun.
0: Thank you for being here, it is an honor to share with each and every one of you authentically. If you would like to receive in a deeper way, visit our website at authenticallymeradio.com or bookserenarose.com. Remember, you are exactly where you are supposed to be, doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing, and you are loved.